welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. It's amazing the picture people have of church. People are very afraid of church today and we've been watching on the news over the last couple of weeks the sadness of child abuse in the name of God, in the name of the church and it breaks your heart. But when Jesus said he would build his church, he didn't have a plan B. He didn't say, hey, if you guys stuff it up, I'll find another way to change the world. It's still God's pattern for the church to be the instrument that he's chosen to use to change the world. We've just opened up a church in England four years ago and we've just opened a building very similar to this, a little bit smaller than this, but a building like this in Bristol for our campus. And while we were there, one of the speakers from America, Rick Shelton, came to speak at our opening And that morning he was reading the American newspapers and he was reading USA Today. And a reporter in America had made a decision to ask the question, is Christianity dying? Is the church and Christianity sort of had its day? And so he began to do some research as a secular person in the media who doesn't believe in God. And he said, there are three kinds of Christians in America. There are cultural Christians. They call themselves Christians because their parents were born Christian. So they don't go to church. They don't have a worldview that is Christian. They just write Christian on a form to say that's what they are because they were born into a so-called Christian family. The second group is a group of people who are church-going Christians. Church-going Christians, they go at Easter and at Christmas and probably every couple of months pop into a church service. They also call themselves Christians. And then there's a third group and they are called conversion Christians. People who Christianity is not just something they go and do in a building, it's who they are. It's a worldview. And they discovered that the first two groups are dying by the day in America. And the only group that is growing are the conversion Christians. The only group that is growing are those that their Christianity is real and it affects the decisions they make every day. So his conclusion, hear me clearly, His conclusion was this. No, Christianity is not dying. It will never die. It's just being clarified. It's just being clarified. And I stand before you tonight with an absolute conviction of having been in the church all my life. I went to church nine months before I was born. So I've been in the church forever. And that's a long time that I've come to know the difference between churchianity and Christianity. I've come to know the difference between being a churchian and being a Christian. And so tonight, I'm going to take you on a journey. 
And it's a journey that is not a sermon for me. It's a journey that will change your life forever if you believe with me what I want to share. Because I'm going to give you tonight the three evidences of a disciple of Jesus Christ. What does it look like to be a disciple? And how do we go on the journey to be that disciple? And I pray that I'll be able to drop a seed tonight that will encourage you for the rest of your life because I'm not into sermons anymore. There's people from our church here tonight and they know I'm telling the truth. I've said to our church, I'm sick of giving you sermons. I want to activate you. When we stand on this platform every Sunday, I want to activate you because we are sick and tired of a religion that is turning people off. I am now pastoring the church I always wanted, but it's taken 18 years to get there. My prayer, Victory Church, is what it took us 18 years to get to. It'll only take a few for you because each generation can teach the next on how we can do it quicker and better because of the revelation that God brings on how his church should be built. And today we would have on any given Sunday over a hundred unchurched people in church in any of sort across our campuses, and never once do I hear the word irrelevant, boring, doesn't meet my needs. This is what I get from politicians, from the local mayor down the road who wants to know more about Jesus, from prisoners who are being released from prison. And right across this morning, one of the richest men in Adelaide came to church for the first time. And uh, I won't tell you what he does. You'll try to guess who he is. And he turned around and said, I had no idea. I had no idea that this is what church is all about. I don't hear boring. I don't hear irrelevant. I remember sitting with David Hamilton, who owns Hamilton Holden down, at, uh, down south, uh, just off of Brighton, on Brighton Road. And I was sharing with him why I was a Christian. This is a few years back now. And I said, David, this is how I build what God has put in my heart for the church. He said, I could build my business on that. He said, I pay thousands of dollars to go to seminars and this makes more sense. Ladies and gentlemen tonight, the Bible is not written for religious people. The Bible is written for all humans. It's a book of life. It's a book that transforms. It's a book that lives today. And things are about to change. Things are about to change. There was a time when you heard about the church in Hollywood and it would be three people over a hundred and a dog and a cat in church. You would see on television people mock the church. They would say things about the church because they don't believe the church is relevant. Some of you who were in my youth group, therefore you've been around a while, would remember the church being presented like this. To make a skit like that is just a reflection of how people view church, but it wasn't that far different to the way I was raised. I grew up in a church where my dad was the pastor and it wasn't much different to that. I would tell my friends at school, I went to Norwood Boys Tech, that my dad was a butcher because I didn't want them to know he was the pastor just in case they came and had a look. You know, I mean, you know, Wednesday night prayer meeting was pretty wild at my dad's church. I mean, we had a little lady we called the ambulance. And so she'd feel the presence of God. She'd be standing at the back of the room and all of a sudden she'd start. Woo! Woo! 
we had a guy called Agostino and we used to have flat plates for the offering with a little green felt in the middle of the plate. And he used to take out a $20 bill during the offering and he'd put it on the plate and look around so everybody could see, but then he would take the change out. And he would take the change because he needed the money for the taxi on the way home. But we never knew how much he took out. He might have taken more than he put in. We used to hire on Sundays in Gilbert Street, Adelaide, an apostolic church that was like one of those old churches with the big railing at the front. And they would have Holy Spirit prayer meetings and the ladies would come around the front and you're talking about kids dancing tonight. These guys were grabbing the railing. I thought we're going to have to pay a lot of money to fix this thing. It's going to cost a lot of money. And one lady one night, she was just going for it. And I remember my dad saying to him, what are you doing? She goes, leave me alone. I've got the devil by the horns. I've got the devil by the horns. And so we used to have these really unusual prayer meetings. And as a kid trying to impress his mates at school, there's no way I could bring my friends to church. And I look at today and I look at our teenagers and I look at how they bring their friends to church and how excited they are about the things of God. Because you won't get more contemporary than Jesus. And if Jesus is real, he's up to date all the time. And I just want you to know that what I'm about to share with you is not a religious little talk, but it's a conviction that is so deep. At the beginning of every year, I get to preach at Hillsong Church for the very first Sunday of every year. I've done it for the last 13 or 14 years, where the very first Sunday of the year, I get asked by Pastor Brian to come and bring a prophetic word to their church, and he's away on holidays. And I think if he can trust me with the church while he's away on holidays, that's a good thing. And so this year, like every year, what happens is I get up to preach. And as I'm preaching and speaking to Hillsong, I began to prophesy. And in the middle of my prophesying, I felt God challenge my mind and my heart to believe and say that what I am now speaking is for the entire body of Christ that wants to receive it. And I have been faithful from January the 1st to tonight and every other Sunday this year that I'm going to preach to speak it over everybody I get an opportunity to preach in front of. And so here we are tonight and this is what I said. I said, I prophesy for the church of Jesus Christ a new season of freshness, faith and favour. Freshness, faith and favour. Victory Church, I'm not a friend here trying to do a favour for another friend, but if I'm a little bit prophetic, I want to say to you tonight, it's churches like this, it's churches like ours that God wants to pour His freshness over, His faith to be released to change cities and communities and the favour of God to build things we'll never have enough money to build, but God will come through and provide in miraculous ways. I won't go for a long time on this, but, but uh, you know, we're about to plant a church in New York, in Long Island, and already supernaturally, God is linking things up. We're planting a church in Singapore, and David McCracken, a prophetic man, this morning preached in our church yesterday while we're having lunch. He said, I don't know why, Danny, but you're going to get a phone call from an Asian nation. He had no idea we're planning in Singapore. And he said, don't worry about the finances. People are going to be contacting you. This is what's going to happen. Listen, that's better than religion when you have a real connection with God that empowers you to bring change to the world. And so tonight I have a message that was birthed that Sunday. 
As I spoke freshness, faith and favour, what happens every year is as I go home or go to the airport, Pastor Robert Ferguson, who's at Hillsong in Sydney, will ring me up and give me a prophetic word for our church or for my ministry that is a total confirmation to what God's already been telling us as a church. And he rings me up, it was New Year's Day this year, and he rang me up, he said, Danny, I've got the word, I've got the word. I said, what's that, Robert? He said, you're going to go to Ezekiel chapter 37 and you're going to go to that chapter, the valley of dry bones. And as you go to that chapter, God is going to speak to you and your church about the future for you, the city, what God wants to do through you and in partnership with other churches. And he began to speak to me about Ezekiel 37, a mighty army standing up. Now, I came back and spoke it over our church. It's been an incredible year for us as the overall theme has been Jesus at the centre. And we've been speaking about Jesus Christ being at the centre of all that we do. And while Pastor Matt Stevenson, one of our pastors, is preaching on a Friday night out of Ezekiel chapter 37, because I asked all our guys to preach out of that chapter I'm sitting on the front row and these three words came into my mind that I want to open up with you for just a few minutes. And it was bones, stones and thrones. Bones, stones and thrones. Now, I thought I might have had too much pizza the night before, but I don't eat pizza anymore because I'm on a diet right now and I'm not going to stop until there's one stripe left in my pyjamas. So I'm going to keep going. But, um, you know... um, I got on the scales the other day and they said one at a time, please. So I realised that, um, you know, and then I had a yellow shirt on the other day and a school bus. People thought I was a school bus coming the other way. So I thought I need to do something. Uh, You know, Italians have a great diet, but it hasn't worked for me. And that's eat lots of garlic. You look skinny from a distance. So um, I had to put it in there, Tony. So you had to put in a couple in there. Don't distract me. Bones, stones, and thrones. And I'm thinking, what does that mean? And I realise that in the life of every Christian, in Ezekiel chapter 37, it talks about dead, dry bones that have to come back together to form this body. There's been parts of God's church that have been dry. There's been parts of God's church that have felt disconnected. There's been parts of God's church that have been hurt. People hurt in other churches and have disconnected from the body and they've lost their identity. You don't walk past a skeleton and go, gee, looks like his dad. (laughs) You don't walk past a skeleton and go, gee, he's not as tall as he used to be. (laughs) A skeleton has no identity. You can't tell the difference between one and another. Do you know how many dead Christians are sitting in churches because they feel like they've been exposed? They've been attacked. They've been shot at and they sit just barely breathing and eventually spiritually even die. And there's a season in every Christian where we need the breath of God again to breathe on us when we are a dry, dead bones that need reviving. But you know, the Bible also says we are living stones. And in 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 7, it says the stones that God used to build the temple had to be pre-cut in the quarry so there'd be no noise on the temple site. Do you know there's people chasing ministries all over the world because they're trying to find their identity through that. But if you allow God to refresh you when you're in that place of dry bones, 
he will begin to reshape you. And like a living stone, he'll begin to cut you in the secret place, in the place where people don't see you, in the place of a marriage, in the place of a workplace, in the place of your daily devotions. And he begins to cut and reshape you. And then he puts you on the throne of dominion, bones, stones, and thrones. Now, I'm going to open that up in a moment very quickly. But you see, it says at the end of chapter 37 that they stood up an exceedingly great army. Let me prophesy there's a new church emerging. There's a church emerging that's not politically driven. There's a church emerging that's not denominationally driven. There's a church emerging. There is a desire in Tony and Kath's heart and the team here, the same as our heart. We don't want the rubbish we grew up with that was political structures. We don't want bottoms on seats. So we've got numbers that we talk about, about how big our church is. No, that's what it's not about. It's about an army of people that can stand on their feet. Because the breath of God has come on them. Because the cutting of God has shaped them into a God shape that suits their being on the planet for alignment. Every one of us is born on purpose for a purpose. And when we plant ourselves in a church that has a pure divine purpose, we will discover over time our own God shape as we allow God to breathe on us, as we allow God to cut us, and as we allow God to sit us on the throne of dominion where we know who we are, we know whose we are, and we don't have to apologise for being being the church because we are the army of God ready for war. And so I want you to have a look at our opening scripture tonight, Ezekiel 37. Thank you. That was a long opening. I won't take that long to finish the sermon, I promise. I thought rather than reading Ezekiel 37... I thought I'd show you a DVD that speaks Ezekiel 37 so you can see the visual of the army coming together. Thanks, guys. Thank you. I believe that tonight. I believe the best days for the church are ahead of us. I believe Christ is not coming back for a flimsy church. He's coming back for a powerful church. And God is doing amazing things and we don't want people that are born with the name Christian we don't want just churchgoers now. Can I say this? I'd rather have churchgoers than nothing. Because while you're in church, there's opportunity. While you're in church, God can get to you. We have a Channel 7 reporter in our church who, whose husband has been radically transformed and the children have been baptised and have come to Christ, but she doesn't believe in God. And she said to me, is it okay if I belong even though I don't believe? I said, Absolutely. And every Sunday, we need our churches filled with people that can sense that feeling of belonging, even though they don't believe. It may come as a shock to you, but there's several gay people in our church. There's people that come from sexual brokenness. Did you know Jesus Christ spent more time with sexually broken people than anyone? God is not afraid of touching people that are struggling with those kind of areas with his love and with his compassion. And we as the church should fling our doors open and some religious people won't understand it. We don't have to compromise. But I want to say this, for those of us that have been in church a long time, and I know what that's like, we need to understand we've got to go beyond churchian 
and to Christian in our expression because church going is very different than Christ following. And we've got to go from church going to Christ following. A churchian will always be inward looking. What will the church do for me? A Christian will be outward looking. What can I do to advance the kingdom of God? A churchian will look for personal outcomes. What I want this church to do for my family. But a Christian will get the purpose of the church and say, what is this house called to do? And how can my gift help extend that? Because in a church, you can attend it. But when you are a Christian in a church, you extend it. We don't just attend church, we extend the purpose of the church. If you're just a church and you'll transition and you'll go through many divorces, you will marry a church until it makes you feel good. And then when you don't like that church, you'll divorce it. And then you will go and marry another. Now, can I stop here and say, God does move people on from churches. Because sometimes they're not in the wrong God shape in the church that they're in. And God has to bring them to the church that matches the God shape in their life so there can be a proper partnership. And so we have people from other churches come because we just happen to be the vehicle God wants to use to get them to their destiny. If you've come from another place to this place, as long as you've not come as a church in, and as long as you've come as a Christian to embrace the corporate purpose on this house, you won't be offended. You will be extended to all that God has for you in the kingdom of God. You see, one lives by feelings. The other one walks by faith. One can appear very religious, but the other is very real. One can seek to be successful. The other seeks to be significant and fruitful. One seeks to look good. The other seeks to be good. And you know the difference of who I'm talking here. See the needs of others in churchian world. Seeing the needs of others is an obstacle. Do I have to pick that person up for church? And do I have to go and counsel? My wife and I were with a young girl, very, very young teenager, who's tried to take her own life at the age of 14, only just recently. And I sat there looking at this little girl not that long ago. And just for a moment, I thought, do we have the people in church life we can call? Do we have the people that can lay their life down for this young girl and spend hours mentoring her? If the church has got something to offer, can I legitimately say to this young girl, we can fix it. We can fix it. We can make a difference under the authority of God to help you. And I believe when people seek positions in churches, there's never enough people positioned to be able to meet the needs of the broken and the hurting. But when we don't care about titles and we don't care about positions and we say, God, just position me to be an instrument you can use to see transformation take place in someone's life. We go from being a churchian to a Christian. We go from committed friendships in church to biblical unity. Do you know, sometimes people will leave a church because they've been offended and all their offended friends leave as well. Oh, for Jesus, I'm offended. Oh, for Jesus, stuff them all. I'll surrender some. We should change some of our songs, eh? They say Christians don't tell lies, they just sing them in their songs. <laughs> Seek ye 20th the kingdom of God. Some of you think that's a new song. It's been around for a long time. And you know, I'm not, I'm, I know I'm trying to be funny, but hey, I just don't want to do it the wrong way. It's not about Jesus looking down one day and saying to me, well done, good and famous servant. 
Oh, did you know I ran Youth Alive? Do you think God really gets impressed? (laughs) After all, he gave me the desire to do that in the first place. It's all about him. If he hadn't equipped me to do it, I wouldn't be able to do it. We got nothing to offer. He offers the world everything through us as we surrender and see that in Him we're somebody special. In Him we're someone great. And I believe tonight, friends, listen to me carefully. We are going from church attendance to Christ resemblance. We're going from church attendance to Christ resemblance. And it's amazing how many of my non-Christian friends, I introduced one of them to your pastor on Saturday. We actually did a bit of missionary work together and this guy's bought the latest Ferrari. So I thought I needed Tony to come up and just have a look and do a little bit of witnessing for Jesus. And so we went and had a look at the new Ferrari, $740,000 Ferrari. And it's amazing how the world that has those things is still no happier. Not happier at all. And they look at myself and some of my friends and they go, but you're not religious. You're our friend. You're just normal, whatever that is. And I want to tell you, there's a normality coming out of this house that religious people will try to pull down and go, you know, that Victory Church, you know, man, they're not into the deeper things. They're into all this trendy stuff. We've copped it all. We've copped it. The experts on our church are the people that have never come to see, but they know everything about us. And I want to say, stay focused, church. Don't become a churchian church. Become a Christ-following church where you become relevant and yet deep in God because you are showing an unreal world what a real God looks like. There are three evidences of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Very quickly, let me go. What time am I supposed to finish? I've got 10 minutes. Let me go real quick. Three evidences of a disciple of Jesus Christ. Number one, love. Love. Did you know the Pharisees knew the first the, the first part of the Bible, the Old Testament, off by heart. They could read it off by heart. They could quote it. The Pharisees in Jesus' day knew everything about the law and yet missed Jesus in the streets of Jerusalem. And I want you to know we need to know the Bible and we need to go deep in the Word of God, but it doesn't start with knowledge. It starts with this fruit of the Spirit, love. By this shall all men know you are my disciples by the love you have one for another. The great commandment, love the Lord thy God with all your heart and love your neighbour as yourself, Matthew 22, 37. Australia doesn't feel loved by the church, it feels judged by the church. And we need to be disciples of Jesus Christ that exude the fruit of the Spirit love to one another in the church and we need to show it out there to our broken community. And just recently, we they emptied the BMW showroom on West Terrace and what they did is they asked our church to come in as they shifted all the cars to put on a ball for the Childhood Cancer Association and what we did is we got our people to go to every car of some of the wealthiest people and wine growers and people that are fairly well up in our community here in Adelaide and our young people went to their cars because it was raining and with umbrellas they escorted them to their seats and showered them with kindness and some of the richest people in Adelaide and community leaders said, we've never experienced anything like that. Where did these people come from? Because let me tell you, the world out there is finding itself in a very lonely place and they might have the money and they might have all the things that money can buy. But I want to tell you, there's nothing like a genuine expression of God's unbelievable love to a world that doesn't understand it. And we need to show it to each other and show it to the world. It says in Hebrews 13 verse 1, 
Love one another with true Christian love. What makes the difference between Christian love and secular love? Well, secular love says, if you do this, I'll love you. Secular love says, because you look so gorgeous and because you sleep with me, I'll love you. It's only Christian love that says, in spite of who you are, doesn't matter what you look like, you just love. And you see, there's a different love between Christian love and secular love. And in Hebrews chapter 13, verse one, it says, love one another with true Christian love. True Christian love in the church, listen to me, needs to comfort and it needs to connect. We need to comfort one another in the church. We go through tragedies, we lose loved ones and we need to comfort one another. But we also need to connect one another to the purposes of God. If you've got friends in the church that are constantly criticising the church, dump them. I'm sorry, but let me tell you, I've seen it over the years, lives being screwed up by the negativity of friendships in the church. It's like witchcraft. There are three enemies of, uh, of, 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 there are three elements of witchcraft and that's manipulation, domination and intimidation. And if you're in any relationship that does that to you, it's not God. If you are in a godly friendship, it comforts you, but it connects you to the purpose of God. God doesn't put you in a church and then gets you to roast it and get you to pull it apart. He puts you in a church and then connects you to the purpose of that church and every friendship you have, you connect to that purpose. A true Christian friendship will confront in love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I'm not going to go into the details, but many of you know that as a family, we've been through some major challenges. Some of the worst attacks that have come against us have come from other Christians. And sometimes the greatest encouragements come from non-Christians. And I want to tell you, it's time for the church to grow up. It's time for the church to realise that, let me tell you, if we can comfort one another, if we can connect one another to God, we can also confront one another in love when we're not living according to Scripture. And we need the kind of friendships that come to us and go, stop it. Don't do that because you're, you're shortcutting your destiny. Come on, get out of that attitude. Get out of that negativity. We need to pull people up. The Bible says, stir one another up in love and good works. And I believe love is an incredible, um, I believe fruit of the spirit that God's releasing on the church right now. And right now in our own church at Edge, people that once used to get offended are now coming up and saying, Pastor Danny, if you see anything in my life I need to change, just go for it. I'm so open. Hey, I know you love me. I know you got my best interest at heart. Remember David in Psalm 139, search me, oh God, if there's anything in me you don't like, deal with me. Why? Because he said, if I go to the bottom of the ocean, you'll find me because your love will follow me there. If I go and hide somewhere, God, your love will come chasing me. When you know who you are and when you know whose you are, you welcome the discipline of God because the discipline of God is to make you a better you, not to destroy your life or hurt your life. And we need Christians. Come on. Thank you. The second expression, very quickly, the second expression of a disciple of Jesus Christ is fruit. John chapter 15, if you bear fruit, the world will see that you're my disciples. I haven't got time to read it tonight. I want to move really quickly. Do you know there are four stages in every Christian? There could be five, but we won't look at the fifth one. It's too, too negative. But anyway, here we go. It says, if you abide in me and I abide in you, you bear fruit. That's stage one. It's called personal relationship. Every Christian needs a personal connection to God. But then it says, the branch in me that bears fruit, what does he do? He prunes for more fruit. So to go from fruit to more fruit, you've got to get pruned. 
And let me tell you, God allows things in our lives to prune us, not to hurt us, but so we bear more fruit. But then if you bear more fruit because you've been pruned, it says, if my word abides in you, my word, then you'll bear much fruit. So you go from fruit to more fruit to much fruit. And much fruit is when we allow the Word of God to be our roadmap to life and we do what the Word of God teaches us to do. And so we go to much fruit and then number four, he says, I don't longer call you servants. I now call you friends because you're doing what I'm telling you to do and we come into partnership with God. And I wanna tell you, I wanna be the kind of Christian that goes from fruit to more fruit, to much fruit, to lasting fruit so that you don't become a fruit loop. Because it says the branch in me that bears no fruit, in me, he cuts away. You know, people, I remember being many, many years ago at Paradise, we used to have a guy, I hope he's, if he, I hope he's not here tonight, but anyway, we, 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 asked, we used to have a guy who used to get up at the front of the microphone, yay, verily, the Lord would say, he must have had a guts ache because it was always, and, and he's getting up there and he's prophesying in the King James and he's out in the car park before he prophesied, swearing at people because they weren't parking in the right spot. One, one Sunday, he parked his car across the driveway. I remember it. It was a brown Valiant with a cream vinyl roof and he parked it across the gate so cars couldn't come in because people were turning up too late to church and people were stuck out in the street. He's swearing at him. And then when it came time for the prophetic word down the front, he'd go, yeah, yeah, verily, the Lord. Eh? And I think, ah, oh. the world needs a better picture than that of the church. And when we allow love to flow through us, we allow fruit to be developed on us. And the last evidence of a disciple, these are all in scripture. You've got to trust me with that tonight, is continuance. Just not giving up, friends. I want to make it to the end. I'm only one decision away from becoming a total idiot. One decision. I've been at Edge Church for 18 years. I was at Paradise for 21. And it's going to mean flippant nothing if next week I stuff up and ruin my life. No one's going to remember the good. They're going to remember the bad. And I want to tell you, one of the greatest keys to being a disciple of Jesus Christ in John 15, it says, if you continue in my name, if you continue, and I want to say victory, good times will come. And they are here. There'll be seasons of challenge. There'll be seasons I'm going to show you in closing tonight. But make a decision tonight. I'm going to keep loving. I'm going to keep bearing fruit. And I'm going to continue. But if you stay joined to me and my words remain in you, you may ask any request you like and it will be granted my true disciples produce much fruit. I appointed you to bear fruit and that your fruit will remain. Jenny, thank you. Thank you for carrying on the baton. You know, you lost your husband at a time when it was so early. We were all affected by it and, and you as a family had an incredible impact on our lives back in the paradise days, all those years back. But to see you in church tonight, Still saying he is Lord, you know, and God 
I know God doesn't take away. We, we, we feel the pain and I know we can't feel what you feel. But Jenny, God is about to open something over your life. There's going to be a grace that you've never known before. And it's a bit like you're going to do the work of two, but not with the effort. You're going to use less effort, but see greater result because of the seeds that God has planted in your life over the years. And I'm not just saying it to pick you out tonight, but I felt it from the minute I saw you tonight that I needed to say it to you sometime tonight. And I don't think you mind me saying it to you publicly. Let me say the hand of God is on your life and great days are ahead for you. In Jesus' name. Now, all my life, I've carried a truth inside of me that right now at 56 years of age, I know is so real. When I was a young man in Bible school in 1983 with Pastor Bill Hilbig, I remember God taking me on a journey and showing me a pattern from Genesis to Revelation. And I'm gonna wrap up real quick. But he said to me, Danny, in life, God reveals, he reverses he restores. In every Christian's life, there's a time of blessing. There's a time of the revelation that we know God is real. There's a time when we go through life and we pray for people and things happen and God is fantastic. But you know, sometimes even immediately after God reveals a purpose for our lives, everything goes into reverse. And you know, God wants to build a bigger church, you start, the offerings go down. You know, God wants you to touch the community and somebody gets upset in the church. I have not seen one church ever go up in construction around the world without people being unsettled while buildings were going up. Because the devil knows that when we put physical walls up, we are building dominion for the body of Christ. And so the devil starts stirring the pot. I see it all over the world, Tony. Whenever we've had to buy a new building, whenever we've had to buy land, all of a sudden, oh, the anointing's not here like it used to be. Oh, we're just getting too big now. And the same people, after God brings the breakthrough, they go, look at what God's doing. And they go, yeah, but you gave me a hard time when we started. <laughs> Flipping heck. I do not have hair for a reason. <laughs> Sharon said to me, grow a beard and pull your head in, but it didn't work. So I'm going to show you the journey of life through bones, stones and thrones. If we can put the chart up, gee, what a nice polished head. <laughs> Takes a long time to keep it like this. Okay, if we can have the chart up. Oh, that's ugly. Oh. So if we, uh, I just want to put it on a chart form to show you the journey of life when it comes to bones, stones and thrones. I should have given you more notice, guys, but I don't know if you're, be able to pull that up for me. But uh, see, God reveals to every one of us his incredible love. And when he reveals that love to us, we think, wow, you know, you become a Christian and you pray for a car park and you get it. You go down Rundle Street and you get that car park. And then you can't understand why everybody else in church doesn't have your faith. They go, oh, you know, I pray and I get it straight away. And I think I'm going to go around the block 10 times. There must be sin in my life. Because when you first come to Christ, God reveals his incredible love to you. But then what happens, I don't know if we can, maybe having trouble to pull that up. But then what happens is things go into reverse. And it seems like your whole life starts to fall apart. You believe God's called you to business and then all of a sudden your business starts to go back. God's called you to serve and all of a sudden there's all these distractions. And friends, it's how we handle our reversals. Many are called, but few are chosen. 
A lot of people run with the call of God, but they don't become chosen because they stick with the call, but they don't handle the reversal. And uh, don't worry if we can't put that up. I'll try to explain it to you uh, in some way here. But So what happens is in our reversal time, now remember I said freshness, faith and favour. When God reveals his plan to your life, you come into a season of freshness. That's always great. But when you go into your reversal, that's when you've got to learn to trust God. That's when you've got to learn to trust when what he's promised and what's in front of you doesn't look the same. That's faith. Remember, freshness, faith and favour. When you pass your reversal, the tests that go, you go through in your reversal, God says, right, I can trust you now. I can trust you. Do you know, if God puts ministry in your heart, you'll never be able to go into the ministry until you die to it. Because otherwise you'll love the ministry more than you love Jesus. So what he does is he puts a call on your life and then kills it. And then you go, I'm just happy to clean toilets. And so you start cleaning toilets as if that's all you're going to do for the rest of your life. And God says, you're ready now. You passed the test. Now I'm going to release what I revealed. So he reveals reverses and then he restores it back to you. And you go from freshness, faith in your reversal and favour, which is dominion, activating the will of God in your life. No go. Sorry, guys. Looks like we can't get that. You see. Oh, it's in the middle. Sorry. Why did you tell me? Sorry, guys. Hang on. I'll turn my glasses around. So reveal freshness. What happens is God breathes on you in the reversal. You go into the depth of God. And then when he gives you the favour, you get the strength of God, breath, depth and strength. If there's another one that moves on from there, I think there's another one. No? Okay. You did it so colourfully for me, I got lost. God reveals, he reverses, he restores. You go from freshness, faith and favour. You go from bones, stones to thrones. It's the breath of God takes you to the depth of God and then releases you with the strength of God because he wants to refresh you. He wants to reshape you. And then he wants you to he wants to release you. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen. And God bless.